Hello, and thank you for joining us on Rocky Mountain Institute's podcast, where we will explore emerging and innovative pathways to transform global energy use to create a clean, prosperous, and secure low-carbon future. I'm Todd Zaransky, a marketing manager at RMI. Well, this is the second of two podcasts recorded at RMI's sixth annual eLab Accelerator, a facilitated workshop of leading industry actors to develop, implement, and spread new solutions that enable a rapid transition to a clean, secure, prosperous, and equitable electricity system. Following the most competitive application process yet, RMI hosted 13 project teams in Sundance, Utah, focused on four core topic areas, new business models for utilities and other solutions providers, grid modernization and planning for distributed energy resources, or DERs, electrification of buildings, and DER adoption at scale. The teams had a lot to accomplish over four days, but I was able to sit down over an early breakfast with three attendees to talk about their experience at Accelerator and how their project teams advanced their work during their time at Sundance. Let's get right to it. I'll let them introduce themselves and their project teams. I'm Dion Delegati. I'm the Director of Clean Energy for the Southeast Region for the Environmental Defense Fund. And the project team I'm a part of is the Duke Energy um, North Carolina Cities Collaborative. And it's it's been a great experience. I have partnerships on both sides, so it was a natural fit for me. Rob Focus, I'm the Director of Sustainability for the City of Charlotte. And I'm on the same team, uh, the Duke North Carolina Cities team. Uh, and our, our objective was, uh, there are a couple of objectives, but one was uh, now that a lot of North Carolina cities uh, and Duke have greenhouse gas reduction goals, it's how do we work together more closely on um, achieving those goals. Mm-hmm. I'm Ed Smeloff. I'm the uh, Senior Director for Energy Systems Integration for Vote Solar. Vote Solar is a nonprofit organization with offices uh, across the U.S. that's promoting solar energy. We do work at legislatures and uh, and regulatory agencies. Mm-hmm. And I'm part of the Grid Mod Squad, we call ourselves. <laughs> and what we're working on is put, producing a toolkit for advocates on how they should uh, participate and what is good grid modernization. It's going to be a lot of investment in the next decade or so to make the grid a lot smarter and uh, with better communication and sort of two-way power flows as more and more consumers adopt uh, technologies like solar. And so the grid needs to adapt to that. And uh, we're, we're discussing you know, how, how that should happen in an efficient way. Very cool. And this is the first eLab for, for each of you? Or is this anyone is here? Second. Your second. Yeah. And what were you, what other event were you at? So I was here a few years ago and it was another Duke Energy led team. Okay. And this was uh, a more focused specific project. We were looking at doing a microgrid mm-hmm. at the city of Charlotte's public safety campus. So this would include okay. solar with battery storage for the about five buildings that are there. So critical right. infrastructure. Okay. That might have been uh, 2017. I think that was my first accelerator. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is my second as oh, well. I came two years ago, okay. and I just found the sort of the methodology of working together collaboratively with different stakeholders in a process that was really forward-looking but very focused on on a concrete outcome was just it was remarkable. I really yeah. really enjoyed that experience and equally enjoying this one. That's great. 
Um, perhaps just because, um, Diane, you, this is your first E-Lab, you can give us a sense of your thoughts, you know, what, what you're expecting coming into the event, and perhaps how you're feeling now. I think I, I probably had some expectations of a little more traditional, you know, sitting down and problem solving and, you know, even potentially being at, at times more combative where you have opposing viewpoints and things of that nature. And so it's been really interesting and eye-opening to go through the various different facilitation processes that give you an incredibly different perspective of even of your own viewpoints of the issue you're trying to tackle, as well as in certain circumstances, being able to get a visual representation of each, you know, person's impression of the issue Mm -hmm. and then being able to physically combine those and, and touch the issue in the way some of the facilitation has happened has really, really been interesting to me. And I think is what makes the process so successful is taking everyone's individual sort of esoteric concepts and making it a synthesized specific issue that you all um, have a, a shared vision on. And maybe sticking with the Duke team, uh, a pretty ambitious project, um, you know, getting more local communities involved in their energy use um, is, is, a, is a great goal to have and, and is sometimes easier said than done. Um, can you talk to us a bit about the trajectory of the team over these four days? And I invite you or Rob to dive in there. Yeah, I mean, I think it's been good. There's a little bit of, you know, the cities have done some background work. There were, um, this both the state and several of the cities, as Rob said, have made carbon commitments or renewable commitments, carbon reduction commitments. And so there's been a collective that have identified some priority issues prior to this and started some kind of group discussions on what their priorities were. And I think this is a, a really meaningful next step that digs down in some of the biggest, most challenging issues and absolutely demanded partnership with the utility to get over the you know, the hump of finding solutions. Yeah, and I'll just add to that. You know, after talking to some of the other teams here, you realize that, so both times that I've done this, we pretty much all came in on the same page. Most of us knew each other. Um, but that's not the case with all the teams. There's there's some who don't know each other. There's you know some who have clashed heads for several years before. So I think we were coming in. I don't know if easy is the right right word, but I feel like some of the obstacles that the other teams have, we didn't have. You know, that's not good or bad. It's just the way it was with our team. But as Dion was saying, one of the things that became apparent, even though we're working on a similar topic, greenhouse gas reductions, some of us have known each other, there were still certain assumptions that had been made, preconceived notions um, that you know, potentially weren't beneficial to us reaching our goals that we had the opportunity to really explore as we went through the days. And I think one of the things that I've appreciated both times is how the facilitators, you have a schedule, there are certain things they want to accomplish in each session, but they give you the space to explore a new topic or a new issue that comes up when they realize it's fundamental to reaching the goal. 
How about how about yourself? How, impression of your team, Grid Mod Squad. Pretty cool name. So, my favorite this year. <laughs> so our team is made up of some consumer activists, uh, state regulatory staff people, um, and environmentalists, and then some technical people who people who had experience working as distribution planners for electric utilities. And the challenge we're facing is uh, we know that uh, the amount of uh, solar energy storage, uh, smart devices, uh, you know, smart thermostats are going to increase exponentially in the next decade or so. We have two million solar rooftop systems on the grid nationally. That'll increased by an order of magnitude or two orders of magnitude. Right now, most of the solar systems just sit there like PCs on your desk, you know, 15, 20 years ago, but they now need to begin to communicate with each other and be coordinated mm -hmm. so that they don't create imbalances in the electric system, both at a, at a local level, regionally, and, and, and over broad, you know, interconnection areas. And how do we do that in a way that makes sure that for those people who don't adopt these technologies, that the system remains affordable and that the allocation of the cost of making this transformation to a much smarter and modern system is done in a fair and equitable way. And it combines with, you know, we're going to also see a lot of new uses of electricity, a lot in transportation in particular. Mm -hmm. So that changes and it has to be, you know, accounted for and adapted with all this new local generation. So our group is um, obviously smart people committed to it, but it does what uh, the others have said. There's a lot of challenging of assumptions and thinking about how you conceive of the problem and so the first day or so is sort of going pretty deep and thinking about very basic things about how do we how does the grid work how do we want it to work what are our assumptions how do we think utilities who are going to you know be the one of the, the drivers of, of these changes how do they think about it <laughs> and it's uh you know, after, it does take four days, which is uh, kind of interesting. It, you would think maybe you could sit down with these problems uh, in a sort of traditional setting and kind of come up with a checklist, but to really do the kind of work that happens here at the accelerator, it, it, it takes sort of a, a slowing down and a challenging of assumptions and, and, and working together as, as a group. And kind of being sort of future-oriented and open to uh, you know, recognizing maybe the way I thought about it wasn't uh, quite correct. Mm -hmm. Maybe we can dive into that piece a little bit. Uh, I think one of the things that distinguishes eLab from some other type of industry gatherings, if you will, is that it's, it's a highly facilitated process. And we like to think that it runs through like a three-step process where we have a diverge phase to begin. And then we have a converge phase in the middle. And now hopefully all the teams are emerging as we head into the last few hours of the event. Um, I wonder if you can share some insights on from the Duke team on how that process unfolded. And maybe you could just speak about the facilitation in general and, and, and how that impacted the, the team's discussions. I think for me, you know, it was interesting. We'd go through these periods where you know, you didn't see what was 
evolving at all. Not at all. And then it was like a light bulb. Like somebody flipped a switch, literally, at least for our team. And it, it was. And it was interesting because we had done an exercise where, you know, a facilitated exercise where we had come up with all these concepts. And then we broke into three subgroups and kind of organized them all and came back together. And they were virtually identical all three sets. And so it was a, a really interesting how we were clearly thinking more aligned than was apparent, you know, from what we were able to communicate with each other, or at least we got to that point. So it was, that was, I think, the most apparent piece of it for me. <laughs> yeah, I think both, for both labs, the facilitation has been excellent. And I remember the first time I came just hearing how form, formulaic it was going to be and thinking, oh, this is, this is going to be too much. You know, we're not going to be able to really think outside the box, but the process works. Um, so coming into this one, um, I totally had faith in what was being presented. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think the first time it was kind of like, oh, we're doing these games, we're doing these different exercises they seem kind of silly but as Dion said they they're all they're done very thoughtfully with a purpose of going through those those three stages so you know this time was no different than the first time in terms of the quality of the facilitation how effective it was uh, and I think for us especially because this topic could be really broad you know it's how do we work closely together and then what are some things we work on and we could have just been all over the board because there are multiple different ways to reduce your your carbon but as uh, Dion just said when those groups broke up and came back together we were luckily pretty much all on the same page which I think not only made it easier going forward but was also kind of a morale boost too that it was like hey we're all thinking the same way we're on the same page let's roll up our sleeves and, and get going I got so bought into the facilitation when yesterday we had a little more open conversation time. I'm like, no, we're going to get bogged down. We need to like, <laughs> give me some sticky notes. Yeah. <laughs> so the, our group, and I think probably a lot of the people who come to the accelerator are pretty verbal, literate people and, you know, deal a lot with sort of written documents. And, and the exercise that we did with the Legos which was to create, to visualize what it is that we're talking about and to just say, this chunk of plastic means something and we declare that it means something and then we construct some, something that's fairly complex, like how does the uh, electric uh, system work both physically and from a regulatory point of view and create it in a, a visual context, a three-dimensional context that you can look at talk about and it really kind of opens your mind to how you use language and how you think about about problems so it, it that helped kind of it was part of the diverge part of it so it did help people kind of think how do we how do we visualize things and, and talk about things differently and that then helped uh, I think the process of coming together and having a better discussion about what are the, the core principles of what our project's all about. And then, you know, yesterday, what was really interesting was that each individual kind of made a commitment because this is, uh, for us, our group, it's not going to end here. It has to, there's, there's a life of the project outside of the four days here. It requires, you know, a lot of 
coordination. We're all in very different, you know, geographical locations, but we can work together to, to put our toolkit together to produce the, the documents that we're committed to do. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, I always ask this question of folks, uh, what was your favorite part of the event? We did a lot of different modalities here, different pairings, you know, individual pairings, group pairings, inside, outside, mm-hmm. you know, facilitated sessions, sort of more open sessions. I think the integration of all of those things, too much of any one of them would not have worked. If I had a favorite, I think mine also was the Lego. I think one of the things that showed me was that each of us, I think, articulated a particular component of the problem better than everyone else or in a unique way. And so it got us a lot closer together. It was, it just changed um, the way you looked at it. Like I said, it became much more tangible and it felt possible to fix in a way that it didn't before that. But all of them had meaning and, you know, felt like they intentionally built on each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, I'd say it was the Legos as well. I mean, how can you not have fun playing with Legos? But you you realize um, pretty quickly as you're starting, you know, even when you're collecting your pieces, right? You go to collect your pieces and you're kind of thinking, you know, what, what am I going to need to represent? And we were a little more, or I was a little more literal. Um, you know, I, I saw the elephant. So there's, the, we definitely have an yeah. elephant in the room. Got to grab that. I just didn't want to get a plain block for that. And then we, you know, the monkey ended up being the monkey on the back of the elephant. Um, I but saw it, that in your tweets. So it was, yeah, that was it's funny. Just, it's a great way to have fun, but also explore some difficult topics and get lots of different perspectives through a medium where you aren't necessarily challenging someone or really, I mean, you're kind of talking to the Legos while you're doing it. You're not <laughs> you're necessarily going one-on-one with someone and then having the opportunity for others to look at it and you know, what does this mean? Um, what does this represent? Oh, you know, hadn't thought of that before. What about you know, this piece of the puzzle? <laughs> so for me, I think the favorite part so far has, was the coaching session when we were told we have I guess 10 or 15 minutes to explain to a group of, in our case, it was about 15 people, what we're up to and to do it in a, in, you know, in a, in a clear and, 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 and cogent way. And then they have the opportunity to ask both clarifying questions and then to coach you and ask questions, you know, have you thought about this or how about if you did it another way? So. What I really liked about that was it forced, and I was one of the, the two presenters for my team, so that's maybe why I liked it. It forced me to be, you know, to have to articulate uh, to other people uh, what it is we've been working on for the past two days. And uh, that's a, this is a good discipline. That's great. So we've done Accelerator for six years now. We had a highly competitive uh, applicant pool this year that we had to choose from and could only get it down to 13 teams. They're so good. Um, If if I'm someone who's thinking about applying for Accelerator uh, or building a team around a concept for Accelerator, what should I be thinking about? And my second part of that question would be, if the team, myself and the team, do get to Accelerator, how can we be most effective here? I think from the building your team question, um, 
look to people who think differently, who challenge you. Maybe the the group that you struggle with the most, finding someone that you can connect with um, and bringing them to the table. It's interesting. There are a lot of really smart people here. A lot of um, I think a you know type A personalities. Um, so you know when you get here, being able to step back and not everyone can you know the facilitation helps that not everyone can you know be the driving leader in the group and you have to be able to to be willing to listen and so ensuring that you have people that will work within that but that you don't get groupthink I think is really you know, you don't have a, a set of group think before you walk in the door because it's not going to help you. Yeah, I don't know what, you know, why we got chosen both times. I think it's important when putting the team together to not shy away from the obstacles. So in making sure you have that diverse team and looking, so here's our goal. What are all the different pieces that we need to address to get there and making sure those the most critical pieces are here, even if one of those pieces has been one that you've been struggling with for years. Um, because once you do get here, the idea is to develop these genuine relationships, to be really open, to be honest. And I think it's a really unique opportunity because you are away from everything, you know, from your everyday distractions, be it home life, work life, whatever it is, to really engage. So I think how you set it up is extremely important and then once you get here really allowing the process to work and really letting your guard down and the, the democracy of time is that what it's called yeah. you know, making sure everyone has a chance mm -hmm. to voice their opinion um, whether you agree with it or not yeah and something duke did for this um effort is you know they could have added more cities and they chose not to. There are two of us from nonprofit and someone from the state that add, you know, different nuances and layers of additional collaboration. But the meat of the project is between the cities and the utility. Um, but having those additional voices and additional perspectives and um, experiences of people who've maybe done some of this in other places and are seeing what's working and what's not working, I think, I hope has added significant value. Definitely. I guess I'd advise somebody thinking about coming to uh, eAccelerator to kind of formulate a problem that is, it's hard, but specific and that you have a sense of the, the direction that you want to go in, in the solution, but that you accept that there's a lot of unknowns and uncertainties about that, that solution. So um, it is competitive. So one of the, I think, I don't, I'm not on the other side and judging who gets in, but I would think you'd want a problem that is scalable or that's replicable in, in other locales. And, um, and then when you put together the proposal, you, you do need to think about the diversity of the, of the team members to get different perspectives in there. And, and, and I think in some cases, it's good to get people who have opposing positions, you know, a utility and a consumer advocate or an environmentalist and, you know, a, a, an electric or gas utility to talk about what's where they differ and where they have a, alignment. 
I almost think you need to get those opposing views. Um, and we're here because these are cutting edge, really difficult issues. And they're difficult very often because you have opposing views, you know, people who have different uh, priorities, but maybe a very similar goal. So without those opposing views, if we just had, you know, all cities here that thought the same way, you know, I can't imagine not having Duke Energy here, but we could do that somewhere else. I mean, that's the easy piece, you know, coming here and being able to have someone help you, or not just one person, but a whole team. Um, and, you know, I think we haven't talked about the experts that are here as well, mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. just yep. bring so much valuable information and perspective and, and, and unbiased and an unbiased perspective to the table too. It's just hugely valuable because you know, they could come in and say, yeah, I hear what you're saying. However, you know, did you think about this or did you think about this? Or I worked on a project and um, this is what worked for us. So you know, I think one of the reasons, as Ed was saying, that these get chosen is because they're difficult, but there's a, there's a path. Mm -hmm. And I would think uh, RMI recognizes that there's a path and that the, the, the skills they're bringing to the teams will help folks get down that path. That's great. What they say yesterday, kind of growth happens on the edge of chaos. Right. And you can't have chaos if you're all sitting around saying, yes, I agree with you exactly. I agree with you exactly. So, you know, the, those diverging viewpoints, I, I agree. They, there's necessary for the process. Yeah, one thing that I, I'll add is the ability to talk to your peers, even though they're not in your group. So yeah. after we did our presentation, we were looking at doing a green, uh, green tariff for solar, and there was someone from another team who had done one in his state. So he came and had lunch with us and mm -hmm. basically said, this is how we set up our program. and. You know, allowed us to pepper him with questions over his his free time, which there's not a lot of. But you know, that's another really valuable resource is, is recognizing who else is in the room, not just the experts, but your 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 peers and your colleagues that you can take advantage of. And you know, as we were saying, it doesn't end here. I know for the right. first um, the first e lab we did, there were a couple of folks who we connected with at e lab that weren't part of our team, and then afterward hopped on phone calls with them. Um, how'd you do your microgrid? What were the challenges? How did it you know, address grid, reg, grid regulation? Is that what it's called? Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> the frequency. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's another huge benefit that we didn't really touch on is, um, as Dion said, there are a lot of smart people here, but they're also really willing to share with you um, and help you facilitate uh, getting to your goals. There's something about this experience that makes you want to work 14 or 15 hour days, you know, because you don't get tired because it's, it's you're, you're present to what other mm -hmm. people are talking about and it's all really interesting. You're learning. So the energy level is very high and, and, the, and it's just a lot of stamina to, to work long hours. Yeah, I do think the seeing the challenges that other regions and other kind of regulatory paradigms are facing and just the creative solutions and how those can maybe be brought back to other issues and challenges you're having in your area has been really interesting to me. I've, I've really been, a, you know, the grid modernization one is a big priority in our area as well. So it's been great to see all the other projects and how those are evolving and the um, the thought process that processes that are going into those. Yeah. 
Well, that's great. Um, thank you for your time and for being here and for all your contributions to making this week, I think, as great as it mm-hmm. has become for all the teams here and, and for being a part of this network that's growing bigger and better and stronger <laughs> every year. And um, look forward to more good things to come in the future. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to our listeners for joining us today on Rocky Mountain Institute's podcast. As a nonprofit organization, our work is made possible by bold partners and the support of people like you. We welcome your suggestions on what you'd like to see covered in future podcast episodes. And in the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook, as well as at rmi.org. Stay tuned for a new episode of RMI's podcast coming to you soon. And thank you again for listening.